Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. It's Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Nikki's Natural Wipes, the first all-natural baby wipes made with Manuka honey and coconut oil. Today's episode is also brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries safe, effective, and pediatrician-tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products. We'll hear more from our sponsors later, but we want you to know that these sponsors make this podcast possible. And if you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you can check out our sponsor page and see if you need anything and if you can give them any of your business. And while you're there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every Monday. And right now, Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from a new listener who sent us an email at badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com. And she said, hello. First, let me say thank you for your content. I'm a first-time mom, age 35, and I'm breastfeeding my son. No one in my family has breastfed, so naturally there's judgment, passive shaming going on about my decision. My son is 10 weeks, and I thought I selected a good pediatrician, but she, like many doctors, isn't supportive of breastfeeding. My son isn't what she calls, which is what she wants to see, a fat, chunky baby. At each visit, she tells me and my husband about how he's not in the recommended percentile and whips out the growth chart. Today, I ran across your podcast, an episode on growth charts and percentiles. He's currently 10 pounds, 5 ounces as of Saturday. He was born 7 pounds, 5 ounces on March 20th. He's a tall, long baby. For my husband and my family's genetics the and the autonomy scans and autonomy scans conducted, he's going to be a tall boy. His femur is extremely long. Thank you for helping me take pressure out of my mindset. As a mom who's worried her baby isn't getting enough but produces ample wet diapers, I was becoming overwhelmed. My husband and I have told the pediatrician he's gaining, not losing. As an Afro-Latina, I already feel doctors will always find something wrong with my child. But I thank you too for your candidness. It helps moms like me realize that we aren't doing anything wrong. Please keep the content coming. It's really helpful. Wishing you two all the best. I wanted to cry when I read this. Yeah. I mean, why do we, I feel like there's so many ridiculous things out there. I feel like sometimes they're just looking for a problem. Yeah. And she obviously knows that because she said, I always feel like, you know, that they're always going to scrutinize what I do anyway. Well, then thank you for pointing out the racism that obviously this person experiences personally in the healthcare system. And it was so deeply ingrained and people say, you know, that, People report all the time that they're being discriminated against and how how awful and difficult it must be to go up against that all the time when parenting is already so stressful. Uh, so I am so glad that she found us. Thank you so much for letting us know that we have helped you. That meant the world to me. And it seriously did touch me when I read this um, because I just I hate I, that's one of my biggest Probably one of my biggest pet peeves with the breastfeeding is that mothers, parents are constantly told that their child doesn't look the way they're supposed to or doesn't weigh what they should or, you know, and that is my that you're not just saying, okay, we don't think your child is doing well. You're also saying you're not doing well as a parent Mm -hmm. and that's not fair. And I just I hate it. So I'm really glad that you found that episode because I think it was perfect for what you needed And I'm so glad you reached out. So thank you. And you're doing an amazing job. I don't care what anybody else says. We're obsessed with weight. We are. From the beginning. I mean, in the beginning, it's like you're not fat enough and then you get older and then you're too fat. And it's just like, 
an obsession about weight <sighs> constantly when like it's shown over and over again that it is not an indicator at all of health. I had somebody tell me that the other day that her baby isn't chunky like her nieces and nephews. And I'm like, it's, he's perfect. Yeah. He's not going to be, you I know, mean, you look at weight alone. It does nothing. It gives you zero information about a person. I know a baby or an adult. How early it starts the diet culture. Yeah. Right. Hate it. It's a whole different topic. Ugh. Sort of. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. It's just not what we're talking about today. <laughs> and it kind of, it almost kind of like Maybe feeds it into it, right? Like feeds into it a little bit, feeding on demand and scheduled feeds and weight gain and all of that stuff. Yeah. So that's, and we're, we're doing this episode today. I just wrote a blog on this a couple of weeks ago. So, or maybe it was even last week. So it's very, very fresh in my mind. And it is something that I've been like, I feel like I've been pushing a lot more recently. I don't feel like maybe even a year ago, I was saying so much of feed on demand, feed on demand, feed on demand. I don't know if it's just like falling to the wayside now and I have to push it back in or what, but I feel like it's just something I've been talking about a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like things circulate, right? In the yeah. in the conversation and um you know, what's being put out there by other like medical places and other big blogs and stuff like that that people get influenced by cuz we all do. Mhm. And how these conversations circulate, I don't know. It's just so first of all, let's explain the difference between feeding on demand and timed feeds. Because people might not, people might be doing one and not even realize what they're doing. They're just like, this is what we settled into. I didn't realize I settled into doing something specific. Mm-hmm. Right. So feeding on demand is just kind of following your baby's cues. You know, they look like they want to let go on and feed. You put them on and feed them. It doesn't matter that they fed an hour and a half ago. You it just, you're following their cues. And just when in doubt, whip it out. There you go. Feeding on a schedule is up every three hours, feed your baby or every, you know, it doesn't matter what they seem to be doing. It doesn't matter if they just ate and they want to go on again. You can't feed them. You have to wait that three hours, which is what a lot of the books say. A lot of those um, like baby wise and stuff like that. I'm totally calling out a lot of pediatricians too. Yeah. Oh, well, why are you feeding the baby so frequently? You shouldn't be doing that because a lot of times and I I feel for these parents, they'll go to their pediatrician and be like, I'm exhausted. The baby feeds, you know, all the time. And I just feel like, you know, and they say, oh, but at, at his age, he shouldn't be feeding like that anymore. Put him on a schedule. Or I have parents that are, at, you know, the baby is three weeks old and they're saying, well, there's really no schedule. I don't have a schedule yet. I don't, I don't have a schedule for the baby. Baby doesn't care about a freaking schedule. No. And I, it, it, I think this is where like the bottle feeding culture comes in, right? Because oh, with yeah. bottle feeding, you want a schedule. You just fall into it because you have so much control over their feeds. Well, right. So and, but I mean, you also like kind of need to. Like, wouldn't you, if you were bottle feeding, you would follow a schedule more? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what I tell parents, like, because this comes up when I have parents that are feeding on demand and getting ready to go back to work. And then they're panicking because they're like, oh, my God, well, the baby feeds on demand. How are we going to do this? And 
I want to get into my whole spiel about how ridiculous it is that we have to send parents back to work so early when their baby is still feeding on demand, but that's futile. So I usually end up telling them, you know what, your baby will probably get into a regular feeding routine once they're in a daycare situation or a childcare situation because they just can't help it. You know, I mean, a stranger... The daycare has a schedule. The daycare has a schedule. Even if it's a grandparent that's watching your baby or a family member, they don't know your baby like you do. So they're not going to know the cues. They're not going to really know how to feed them on demand. So they are going to end up... And they want a schedule too because they don't want to do anything wrong. Well, how often should I feed the baby? When should I feed the baby? And it's like, they just... I don't know. They just feed them when they seem hungry. That doesn't work for people. They want a concrete number. So your baby usually ends up getting on more of a schedule when you have to go back to work and you have to have more of a structured routine. But if you are just feeding your baby on demand, that is the best thing for your baby. It is totally the best thing for your baby. And we will talk about why that is and all the benefits to feeding on demand. The other thing I want to say about the scheduled feeds, and I'll probably be, I don't know, burned at the stake for saying this. I hate those freaking apps. I hate them. Oh, yeah. And I know that they're helpful for people. I do. I know that it's really helpful for people to remember like when they fed last and, you know, all of that stuff. And the doctors always ask, well, how often is a baby feeding? And, you know, how many times, especially like your first couple appointments, how many times is the baby feeding? Blah, blah, blah. But I hate them because people like live and die by those things. Oh, I didn't push the button. I didn't push the button. And they're like, you know, looking for their phone and have to record every single time. And here's when I fed all the all the times that I fed. And it's like, oh my gosh, just listen to your baby. We waste so you much don't time. You need to do that. You no. don't need to do it. But I it's so much of, of the culture that we it live is. in now with everything is being you know, recorded, there's an app for everything, there's a schedule for everything, and we're completely overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed by things that um, are. This the other thing about feeding on demand is like we're we are designed to like have a baby and then lay around with that baby for like months to just like lay around and nurse the baby, but we don't live in a culture that like allows for that. So you still have to keep up. If you have to either go back to work or even just take care of all the other kids and the house and all the other responsibilities that just don't that aren't that go against like what the biology asks, which is for you to just lay around and feed the baby or nurse the baby, you know, because again, feeding or breastfeeding is so much more than food, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not, that's the thing I think that gets confusing is just like, well, when's the last time they ate? It's like, I don't, they've been latched on for eight hours, man. (laughs) I don't know. They're like eating and then sleeping and then let it, but they never let go, you know? So um, it just gets confusing when our culture is just like so counter to all of that. And then let's schedule everything with an app and then let's, we got to get moving. We got to get going. We got to be multitasking. We have to be doing all of these things that just work against what we're actually designed to do with our babies. I mean, we're primates first and foremost, you know, like you're supposed to have your baby in close proximity to you. You're supposed to just feed on demand. That's how things are supposed to be. And it's exhausting as a as a new parent. Sometimes the last thing you want is that baby attached to you all the time. Like, absolutely. But that's how they're designed. 
And there's not a whole lot we can do about that. Right. Well, well, because in, you know, in, you know, more village type settings or whatever Mm -hmm. throughout human history, there's been more than one person tending to the people. Absolutely. It wasn't just like you, someone had a baby and then they were like over there, over there by themselves for months on end. You know, there were like people around. It was like a, you know, a community setting where people were taking care of each other and babies and the and the bigger kids and the and that's not now we're just it's just you in your house by yourself. And so that's, again, that's just completely counter to what we are designed actually to do with our yeah. babies. It's really it's really crazy. You know, it's really crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then that's, people get overwhelmed and like I can't figure this out and this isn't working and I'm so oh, I'm so stressed and I'm overwhelmed and it's like it, you know, it's not. It's it's yeah. And then and you, you have society you saying things like, "Oh, your baby's feeding again. Are they yeah. not getting enough milk? Oh, your baby shouldn't be feeding every two hours. Or your baby shouldn't be feeding every hour, hour and a half. Why? Why are they doing that? They must not be getting enough." Right. Oh, yeah. They're using or you like, as a pacifier. You, yeah. Why are you being so lazy? You're laying on the couch all day. <laughs> Would you lay on the couch all day? Oh my god. How could Shouldn't you do, do that? that? <laughs> what are you thinking? I love it when people like are are uh, they haven't had their baby yet, but they have. You know, they're they're about to go out on maternity leave, and they have all these plans for maternity leave. You know, like, and yeah. I've had people tell me, like, even colleagues, people that I know know better that are like, oh, my God, I was going to do so much at maternity leave and I did nothing. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's ridiculous that we even have a maternity but we, leave, but you're supposed to do nothing on that maternity leave. You're not supposed to be building jungle gyms and reading 18 books and doing all those things. Like, it just... Yeah. And people and everyone else and no one and people who haven't been there um, think it's a vacation. Yeah. They're like, oh, you just get you're going to get a vacation. You're going to be on vacation for three months or six weeks or not at all. Whatever your job says. Um, Like as if taking care of a baby is a vacation. I know. But this just highlights how much of a misunderstanding and how much terrible information there is about babies and what we're supposed to be doing with them. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the ones, you know, who suffers is the baby. So. And the parent. Yeah. And and the baby can't speak for themselves, you know, and the parent just kind of is like going along with whatever society is telling them. But one of the, one of the benefits to feeding on demand is like Abby just said, there's so much more to breastfeeding than food and feeding on demand. When you respond to your baby, you are helping to strengthen their attachment, their brain development, their psychological stability. All of that is affected by feeding on demand. I mean, just think about it. Your baby cries, you pick them up and you nurture them. Right. How much are you doing for your child? Like, there's nothing else that your child needs but that. And that's what happens when you respond to them. Uh, Like, oh, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. We can't do this yet. And then they're kind of like, they don't know what time it is. 
you know, like they, they don't know. So that is the, that is right. the biggest you're, thing to feed. Yeah. And your body is more, it's breastfeeding is so much more than food and your body is the only environment that they're acclimated to. They're born and then supposed to be with you held by you or, or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're not, they're in, dis- they're in distress. You know, they're designed and wired to be close and be touched and held by people. And that's, that doesn't mean you can't go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> Although I know you all hold it until you're going to die. I know. I know we but, all do it. Uh, but that's not what that means. You know, you can put them down sometimes. That was the other thing about feeding on demand. Or I think it's confusing is like, oh my God, you know, like I can't, I have to, I'm feeding on demand and breastfeeding all the time and I can't take a shower or pee or you know, take a walk can. around the block and like, yeah, you can. It right, doesn't so mean how- that the baby has to be attached to you like 24 seven. No, they just want to be, they want to be So do it when you, you know, when you can I and mean, respond to them the when they need right, you. Right, That's right. it. That's all you got to do. But let's talk about our capitalism yeah. and then <laughs> we're going to talk about what feeding on demand does for your milk supply. Oh, awesome. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Nikki's Natural Wipes. Nikki's was created out of the passion of two new parents wanting to protect the health of their precious new baby, Nikki. Conventional baby wipes contain harsh chemicals that can lead to redness, itchiness, dry skin, a burning sensation, and even blisters and urinary tract infections. Utilizing the miraculous antibacterial qualities of Manuka honey, combined with the proven ability of coconut oil to moisturize dry skin, Nikki's has set a new global standard for premium baby wipes. The smell and feel of the wipes is unique, 100% natural, ethically sourced, EWG certified, and biodegradable. Check out the first all-natural baby wipes made with Manuka honey and coconut oil on Nikki's.com, N-I-K-I-S.com, and use code BADASS10 for 10% off, BADASS10. Use that code and get 10% off of your purchase. And today's episode is also brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries safe, effective, and pediatrician-tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products produced and packaged in California, USA. The leave-in conditioner's lightweight formula is made with nourishing emollients and arnica for split ends, making it ideal for detangling and eliminating frizz from damaged hair. The Miracle Detangler is perfect to making combing hair easier for babies, toddlers, and children, and anyone with long hair. The rosemary can help prevent lice. All of Original Sprouts products are paraben and phthalate-free, vegan and cruelty-free. Their proprietary formulas contain nourishing extracts from fruits, vegetables, and flowers that the whole family can enjoy. They are not just for babies anymore. Check out the entire line at OriginalSprout.com and use code BADASS for 25% off of your purchase. And all of these um, sponsors and their promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode on BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talked about in this episode. And you'll also find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. And now, back to... What are Back we talking to, about? <laughs> we are talking about on demand, time feeds. <laughs> yes. Feeding on feeding demand, on demand versus time, time feeds. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And we're going to talk about now what it does for your milk supply. So milk supply is driven by how frequently the baby feeds, right? That tells your body, your baby is telling your body, this is what I need. And your body responds. If you're feeding on a schedule, your supply is going to be different than if you're feeding on demand. Feeding on demand, you're going to have a plentiful milk supply. Your baby's going to be constantly telling your body what they need. They're going to gain the weight that they need to gain because they're eating frequently. When you're feeding on a schedule, you might actually be taking away from the baby. You know, you're, you're, that's what one of the things with like night weaning, but that's a whole different ball game, you know, and I know we have episodes on that and stuff, but if you are denying your baby feeds when they want them, you could be leading to dehydration. It could be leading to, you know, decreased milk supply. It could be leading to, you know, decreased weight gain. All of those things can happen when you're scheduling feeds. The other thing, and we did talk about this a few episodes ago, we'll link back to some of these episodes too in the show notes, but the storage capacity, right? Oh, every, uh-huh. every, breast and chest feeding parent has different storage capacity. And if you have lower storage capacity than the next person, you are going to be feeding more frequently. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're ensuring that your baby is getting what they need. And that is one of the reasons why we say feeding on demand is really important because you need to ensure that your baby is getting what they need. Yeah, And and that is the only way to do it is to feed on demand. So storage capacity is the amount of milk that your breast can hold at a time. Mm -hmm. And some people, it doesn't have anything to do with big boobs and small boobs. It has to do with how much milk your breast holds at a time. And then that'll determine how frequently your baby's nursing. Everybody, somebody who has very large storage capacity and somebody has very small storage capacity at the end of the day has the same amount of milk that the baby needs. But with smaller storage capacity, you're you're emptying your breast more frequently. And so the timed feeds makes no sense because it doesn't take into consideration these things. Mm -mm. Like one schedule cannot possibly fit all people when these variations take place in our bodies. The other thing is babies take what they want when they are when they're breast and chest feeding. You know, they are in control of their feeds, which is really important. That's what we want. That brings its own set of benefits when your baby learns how to control and regulate their own feeding behaviors. And they might, you know, just be thirsty and want to just take a little bit. And then maybe an hour and a half later, they might want to actually have more of a feeding. And then maybe they'll take a nap and then they'll wake up and they'll want, you know, an even bigger feeding. It doesn't matter because we're not looking at the amount every single time, but they can do that when they are feeding on demand. They can just take what they want to at that time. I think, and this is also a bottle feeding culture thing, and it doesn't matter what's in the bottle, but when you are monitoring every little thing your baby is taking in, we don't give them the freedom to learn how to regulate their own feedings. And when we feed by bottle, we tend to give them the same exact amount every single time. Now think about how we are as human beings. We don't eat the same thing, the same amount every single time. Mm -hmm. Why should your baby? But that's one of the reasons why we see them feed. Sometimes they feed every three hours. 
you know, maybe there's a chunk of day where they feed, their feeds are spread out a little bit more. And then there's a part of the day where their feeds are closer together. That is perfectly normal for, for them. I mean, we do the same thing as adults. We do the exact same thing. Right. Some babies yeah. are grazers. So are some adults. Some babies, you know, will only eat, will eat every, you know, couple hours and be satisfied. So are some adults. It, it, there's no reason why they can't do the same thing. Totally yeah, we get you and you see this too when you get into this is a little bit off topic, but we were comparing the, um, you know, the kind of diet culture and the feeding things as they go on weight and stuff as it goes on throughout life. But you see this too, like later on, like people I see, um, like, you know, bloggers or influencers or whatever talking about how to get your kids to eat more at meals. And it has a lot to do with like limiting their food at other times. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. I feel like if we just let people eat when they're hungry and people learn about their bodies, that's going to make everyone a healthier eater. But we live in this in this culture. It's like here we have three big meals a day, which, first of all, hasn't always been true throughout history and is not true across cultures. This is our culture and we put all of this value on this like. We we time feeds throughout our life. Yeah. And this is just not how everybody eats. And some people work really well with that and it's fine. And they, you know, they that just fits well with them. And and it doesn't work for everybody. And it just leads to lots of stress when you're trying to get like a for example, and this is not a personal thing at all, a seven year old to sit down and have like meals when like that's just not how they eat. When, you know, they just, you're going to, no matter how you cut it, if it's like a baby or a toddler or a grown up, and you're trying to fit their eating, their natural eating habits into a schedule or a cultural norm or whatever, sometimes you're going to end up with a headache that could be avoided. Absolutely. Yeah, we. I mean, we never really learn how to regulate our own. No, we never feeding. ever let anybody learn how to. Yeah, to how to control their own, how to listen to their own bodies. Yeah, it's really. I mean, and this is where it starts. Honestly, this is where yeah. it starts. One of the other issues with feeding on a schedule, like we said, you can be feeding your baby less, but that also leads to less milk supply. And your milk supply will start to dwindle if you are feeding on a schedule. And that is because you're leaving the breast fuller longer, which sends the message of we don't need to feed. We don't need this milk. And less feedings equal less milk. So you are risking a problem with milk supply if you are you know, scheduling those feedings. It's, it could be dangerous to do that you know, to schedule feeds like that because, you know, your baby might not be getting what they need and then your milk supply could suffer. And we don't want either one of those things to happen. Right. And the answer is not complicated. The answer is simply just stop scheduling the feedings. It's just feed on demand. Feed, you know, when in doubt, whip your boob out and put it in their mouth. And, you know, take that time to educate other people. If you have somebody that's telling you, you shouldn't be feeding your baby again. Or why is your baby eating again? Didn't they just eat like an hour ago? Take that time to educate them on why and what it's doing for your baby. The other thing that happens with it is that your baby is, 
is getting so much benefit of being skin to skin with you at the breast mm-hmm. or at your chest. You know, yeah. they're getting lower cortisol levels, help to regulate your baby's body temperature, helps to regulate their breathing and their glucose levels. Physiologically, this is good for your baby. This is what we mean by this is the environment that they are acclimated to. Yes. This is like they came from the womb and now on your chest, this is like the safest and healthiest place for them to be. It is really kind of cool because, you know, I've seen a zillion babies in my day and the babies that are fed on demand where the parents tell me, oh, you know, we just because I always ask, like, how often is your baby eating? Because I do need to get an idea of how often they're eating. And I love it when the parent says, I don't know, just when I seem like they need it, I put them on. And that's perfect. I'm like, that's the perfect answer. That's exactly what I want to hear. But those parents often also tell me that their baby is less fussy. You know, like those are not where I see the fussy babies. That is usually, I see the fussy babies with, uh, I'm trying to get him to sleep on his own. He's not doing it. Every time I lay him down, he won't do it. Um, You know, I feeding on demand, offering a lot of bottles from the beginning because you're trying to control the intake. Like that is where I tend to see more fussiness with babies. Sometimes it can't be helped if there's an issue or if you're separated from your baby or whatever. But when you're just home with your baby and you're able to feed on demand and keep them close all the time, baby wearing and, you know, just always having them there, always holding them, not worrying about the, oh, they're going to be spoiled or any of that garbage. Those are the babies that acclimate to life a lot easier. It's just, they just do. It's easier for them. Yeah. They do studies on like, um, cultures where, um, Babies are held, you know, more or baby wearing is more of a common practice and um, babies cry less Mm -hmm. in these cultures. And that is something like if you are feeling overwhelmed with feeding on demand, because a lot of times people say, well, I put the baby there and they don't even eat. Yes, they just want to be there. But baby wearing can help with that. Baby wearing keeps your baby in close proximity to you. They're in their space. They're against your skin. They can hear your heartbeat. They'll just, they'll be happy there. Just keep them close with you all the time. But yeah, it is. Yeah. And it is stressful. And like, you know, there's things in this, in that we don't have control over that we need to do that we can't, like you need to take care of older kids. Like that's just Mm -hmm. obviously you can't get around that. And, you know, but there are things that you can get around, which is like, I think that, you know, again, with the like cleanliness of the house and, you know, not wanting to accept help from people, which is sometimes what happens. I know that happened with me. Just being like, no, I'm fine. I'll do it. You know, yeah. not really wanting anybody to help. Um, you know, trying to, if we can make some of these adjustments and change some of the things that we do have control over and try to make a little bit more time where we can just sit around (laughs) just like that's your job to be sitting around with your newborn it's it's not lazy it's not you know you're not um because we live in this you know again this culture that only values you if you're like being productive but that's not what your baby needs and so we need to really like educate ourselves on this and try to reject that and if there is something that you can leave undone then do that 
or if there's somebody who wants to help and, you know, wants to, is offering to help, let them. I had a mom recently, I might've already told this story, not today, I probably, but I told it probably another time that was, had called me, was concerned because the baby was, you know, fussy and wanted to be held and difficult to put down and all that stuff. And, um, she was like, it's taking me three days to mow the lawn because I can only go out for a few minutes at a time while he's napping. I'm like, don't mow your freaking lawn. Like, that's not, that's not, that shouldn't be essential. Right. It's not essential. It shouldn't be a priority right now. And you can always hire somebody to do that too, if need be. If you really feel like the appearances are, you know. I know. That's the other thing is that like in, in wherever you live, you might have a thing where if your lawn is overgrown, like it's a really big deal, which is so freaking dumb. I can't <laughs> even, I can't even stand it. I know what the suburbs do with their manicured, you know, yards and stuff. It's so, oh, it's so frustrating for me to see that people are stressing about this. But like, I get it. If that's the, where you live and that's what's expected, like if people, it's going to stress people out. And that's what I mean is like, the expectations of people and, you know, the things that we value are sometimes just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, re- I mowed my lawn with baby strapped to me. Yeah, you can totally do that. Mm-hmm. I've done that. Or I would I mean, if I knew somebody in my neighborhood, I don't have I live in Chicago. I don't have a lawn. But if, <laughs> if I lived in a neighborhood, if I did have a lawn and somebody on my block had a baby, I'd be over there mowing their lawn. I wouldn't even ask them. I know. I'd just be like, pardon me. Sorry, then f- excuse the noise. I'm mowing your lawn. Just like we do. I have a, a elderly man who lives next door. Like the whole block is just like whoever's out there first shovels Jim's drive, shovels his sidewalk. Oh, that's nice. Because we just are like, that's just a normal thing. Yeah. You just look out for each other. That's just living in a who community. Not, who's like not, yeah. Who's not doing that? Who's not? Why is this lady's? I'm, you know when someone has a baby. First right. of all, you see them waddling around and then you don't see them. Now you know that they had the baby. So like mow their, mow their lawn. Put a big something. sign out. Mow my lawn. I know. Something. Like that should be the last thing she needs to worry about. Right. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. We are left to do everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Every last thing ourselves. And it doesn't even occur to some people to like to ask or it's like, oh, I don't know. She might get mad if I'm stepping on her lawn. And then and then everybody else is kind of worried about this. You know, oh, I don't know if I should because every we live because being isolated is so normal. Yeah. It's so normal that we're like, oh, we don't we don't want to overstep our bounds by like, you know, mowing her lawn or something. It's so weird. I know. So go out today and do something good for somebody else who just had a baby. If you don't know yeah, anybody that had a baby, then had a, yeah, spread the good. Right? If you know somebody who had a baby, go out and do something for them today. And if it was you that just had a baby, let somebody do something for you. That's yeah. important. It's just as important to let somebody help you. Yeah, we have that episode. Didn't wasn't that one was this, is it out yet or is it not out yet? Oh, the making breastfeeding easier. Is oh that, yeah, um, that's. Is that's, that not is that not a, is that out yet? Oh, it is out now. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, as of you listening to us right now, it is. It's last week's episode, I think. But as of us recording, it's not. <laughs> so follow us here. Anyway, yeah, check out last week's episode of all the like things you know that can help make yeah easier. And and do that for somebody. Maybe it's not for you, but maybe do it for somebody else too. Yeah, that's it. 
Thanks, Diane. Ah, have fun. Bye. 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 